the Penguins' schedule is out. The NHL's entire schedule is out. And if I'm correctly gauging the local reaction to this, the Penguins are going to be eliminated from the playoffs for the first time in a decade and a half, oh, probably two or three weeks into it. Good morning. Good Thursday morning to you. Hope you have a good Christmas Eve. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. If anybody missed the rollout of the schedule, the Penguins will open January 13 and 15 in Philadelphia. They will then come home for their home opener on January 17 against the Capitals. None of these games are likely to have fans given that they're all being played inside our Commonwealth, and we have a pretty good grasp of what those restrictions are at the moment. I can't imagine that you're going to see that change with a snap of a finger just three weeks away. But that really wasn't the discussion point, as best as I could discern yesterday. Uh, Everybody seemed to focus on this division and how difficult it's going to be, how out of the eight teams that are in the division, no one would really be surprised if any of them, except maybe the Devils, would finish among the top four and thus qualify for the playoffs. I'm in agreement, generally speaking, that the division is strong and that it could be hockey's strongest. But I don't know that I see the Penguins as being a team that's sitting on the outside right now in some perception sense. I I just don't see that. Uh, I do see the Islanders who just made the Eastern Conference Final. I do see the Bruins, who just had another good playoff run, built mostly on that same core. I see other teams that look like they could be up into that category and not surprise anybody. I'll say it again. The Devils are the only team that would surprise me if they finished in that top four, only because they were so far off last year and that Jack Hughes was such a disappointment for them out of the draft. But as you go through these teams, there's one that you also need to be considering without looking at the rest of them, and that's Pittsburgh. I look at the Penguins roster as currently constituted and start with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, who both had pretty good years in 2019-20. Those were, we forget now because all we remember is the cameo playoff appearance, but those were good, good months for those guys. We were all raving in particular about Gino and the big turnaround that he made and figuring out a lot of things and playing better two-way hockey and being more responsible and everything else here. That didn't disappear because of four games against the Canadians that sat on this island in the Pacific Ocean time-wise as it relates to the pandemic. That didn't just vanish. 
Chris Letang had one of his better, more consistent seasons. Doesn't just disappear. The goaltender that you wanted all along is now going to be your only goaltender in Tristan Jari. Everybody wanted the Penguins to get faster and younger and everything else. They didn't do a ton of it, but what they did add, it came with speed. Kasperi Kapanen is now immediately the fastest player on the Penguins roster. He'll outrace anyone, yes, even Brian Rust. Mike Matheson can skate circles around Jack Johnson going at full speed. They've gotten faster, they've gotten more mobile, and they've gotten at least a little bit younger. I'd like to see that play out even more. Maybe not in training camp, because that's asking a lot of nine practices. But maybe early in the season. Let's see some of these guys get a chance to participate and give the Penguins uh, a more vibrant feel to them. But look at this roster and tell me why it's a non-playoff team. Forget the other stuff. The the other stuff is, look, I'm not going to knock these other teams, okay, particularly not the Islanders, who I thought really, really came together. But they're not a team that's on the rise. They're not a team that's built on young guys. They're not old either, but they're not, like, heading towards some soaring peak. I would think more toward the Rangers, in that regard. And I don't know that the Rangers are necessarily ready for prime time. So who are we looking at here that's that's just this absolute lock to make it? Is Boston that? I don't know. I mean, if you want to talk about old or aging core, you know, Boston's the prime example of that in the entire NHL. Almost everything they do on an annual basis, continues to be built off Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, Zdeno Chara, and David Krejci, who, by the way, never gets mentioned with these guys, but actually was one of their better players in the playoffs last year. And yeah, they've had a couple of younger guys come along and support them and do well, notably David Pasternak, but it's it's still an older core team. What if they hit the wall? What if they fall off? The Flyers, to me, are in the same boat. The Flyers are, they have some younger players that they've liked for a really long time. It looks like they finally have a goaltender of some pedigree in Carter Hart. But when you get right down to it, if Claude Giroux and Jakub Voracek don't score, they don't win. Simple as that. And what happened to the Flyers in the playoffs again? Giroux and Voracek, nil Out go the Flyers. Simple as that. Hasn't changed, won't change this season either. Who else is the automatic lock? Buffalo? Buffalo hasn't made the playoffs since probably most of the listeners of this podcast were born, it seems. They make changes all they want. They can appease Jack Eichel every time he complains when Buffalo doesn't make it, but it's it's not getting them in. Washington's another one. Washington obviously has, you know, they have Alexander Ovechkin. They have Nicholas Backstrom. They still have all these guys. Uh, I'm not about to knock them for their age. They, like Crosby, like Malkin, were still highly effective, highly productive. 
but Washington's had some significant goaltending issues now for a couple of years. I don't think those are about to be solved. There's not a team in the division where you just go, wow, look at them. If the, if the Penguins were somehow aligned with the Lightning, obviously the class not only of the conference but of the league, you could have one of those teams. I don't see that in this division, nor am I prepared to cast the Penguins as the also-rans in this group when the Penguins are coming back with a really good hockey team, potentially. They have some things that they need to piece together, but they're capable of doing that. One would think or hope that they're motivated to do that after what happened this past summer, but I don't think what you'll see is a team that comes back and allows itself to be deflated or defined by what happened against the Canadiens. That just, that wouldn't add up. That wouldn't fit with the character of these players, in particular, the core guys. And I'm going to throw one other thing at you here, just for fun, as long as we're talking about this division. What if, what if... Tristan Jari ends up being the best goaltender in the division. Go ahead. You're doing the same thing I'm doing right now. Go through all the goalies in the division and ask yourself which one of them would be just a slam dunk as being better than Jari. Don't forget, even though Jari wasn't technically number one guy all season long and all that other stuff, he ended up in the top eight or nine in the entire NHL for goals against average, save percentage, every other statistic worth tracking when it comes to actually stopping pucks. And on top of that, he was obviously pretty good, uh, sometimes really good, in moving the puck and a lot of the ancillary stuff. What if Jari is the best goaltender in the division? Change how you think about it a little bit? Maybe. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you always on this program by our good friends, Working overtime this holiday season at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. It would be ideal if they weren't working overtime, but that's the state that we're in right now. We have neighbors who are in need. If that's you, if that's you, and you don't know where your next meal is coming from, go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help, and you'll get that help from these good people. I'm going to give that address to you one more time, and Don't be proud about this. Pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help. Today's just one question comes from Dan in Alabama who asks, what will it take and when will we see the up-and-coming prospects make it onto the Pittsburgh roster like Pierre-Olivier Joseph, like Casper Bjorkvist, like Samuel Poulin? Well, all three of those prospects are in very different settings and circumstances. So taking them one at a time, 
Pierre-Olivier Joseph is going to be in this training camp. Uh, according to Jim Rutherford, he's going to have a chance to crack the six-man defense. I'm not seeing that as plausible. I see him as number nine on the depth chart, meaning that as your third pairing, you'd have Mike Matheson and Cody Cece, the new acquisitions, Matheson for sure. As a fourth pairing, if you want to call it that, you'll have Yuso Ricola and Chad Ruedel, same as last season, and then you have Joseph. Uh, that's an awful lot of people to leapfrog in the span of nine practices and zero exhibition games. So I don't see that happening. And even then, a lot of guys would have to get hurt. Now, defense men do get hurt in the NHL. You end up using eight or nine or ten guys over the course of a typical season. This one's only 56 games. Uh, but they're more compact. There's 14 games each, for example, in March and April. That's an awful lot of hockey. That's an awful lot of turning your back to the play when the puck is dumped into your zone and getting rattled by somebody. Defensemen will get hurt. I do think you'll see Joseph play in the NHL this season. I know he's got a vocal and spirited advocate for him in Mike Vellucci, the new assistant coach who was Wilkes-Barre's head coach this past winter, but we'll see. That that one is not something that I'd I'd be putting a whole lot of stock in. Uh, Bjorkvist is over in Europe and is, is likely to stay there given the status of the minor leagues here, so you can pretty much count him out. Besides, uh, he's coming off a major injury and is going to need some time and some seasoning and everything else. They, they like him. They like him, but this isn't his year. The third guy that you asked about is Poulin, who's the the most obvious, uh, being the last first-rounder they've had in the last, what, 18 years or something. Uh, he's a player of pedigree, but he's also performing. Uh, he's grossly outperforming the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, that's most unfortunate. I mean, it's great for him, don't get me wrong. But it doesn't do much to accelerate his development. It just means that he's playing at a level that's beneath him. He, of course, can't be put into the American League because he's too young, which means the Penguins would face an interesting decision with him. In a normal year, you can keep a player up for nine games before deciding whether or not to send him back to juniors. This year, because of the shortened schedule, that's been amended it's not nine games anymore now, it's six games. If I'm the Penguins, I absolutely, unequivocally keep Samuel Poulin here in Pittsburgh for all six games, even if, and I cringe at saying this, he doesn't play. Because I want him to be around the NHL, I want him to have that feel, uh, to gain that confidence, whatever it is, and if he has to go back, he goes back. If you want to consider keeping him around, you better find a place for him in the lineup, though. And I understand that the Canadian Junior Leagues right now are all of them in a, their own state of flux, um, not just in Quebec, but on, the Ontario League just yesterday pushed back some of its activity. So when you send a player back to juniors, you want to know that he's going to be able to play there. Otherwise, you're better off just keeping him around. It does affect 
contract statuses and so forth, but it, this would be worth it, keeping the kid around. It's a, it's a year like no other. I want to see him play. Um, not just because, ooh, new kid, new toy. It's more that thing I was referencing in the first segment about I'm tired of seeing the other team be the one that shows that extra jump, that extra jolt that you get from kids being added to your lineup. I'm tired of seeing the Penguins be the ones that look like they're dragging in the third period, chasing the children around. It would be nice if they had a Sam Lafferty, a Samuel Poulin, uh, yeah, the list isn't real long. <laughs> I'm not pretending that they have a ton of prospects, but get these guys involved. Get these guys in, and you know what? Maybe they'll surprise you. It's okay to play for ceiling sometimes. That's what the Penguins did, if you think about it, in 2016. If those veterans hadn't struggled in the later part of that winter, and the Penguins hadn't started slumping and ticked off Mike Sullivan and got him to call up, Connor Sherry and Tom Kuhnhackle, Scott Wilson, Brian Rust. These guys came up and made an instant difference and then ended up winning a Stanley Cup in large part because of the way these kids played and the swift kick in the rear end that they gave to a lot of these guys. Chris Kunitz admitted as much to me two weeks after they were up. He said, they just give you a spark. When you see them, when you see them bouncing around like that, you think to yourself, man, I got to do that too. That's been lost from this team. I want to see it. I want to see it in some form in Pittsburgh. Thanks so much for the, for the question, uh, Dan. That's good stuff. And, again, Merry Christmas to everybody. We won't have a show tomorrow, but we will be back Monday. And we're not very far. We're not very far. The actual training camp opens on January 3rd. Thanks so much for listening. Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.